0: So definitely a far simpler case, um, in fact what I'm hoping for is that you'll be ad- able to add the detail to this case uh, that is needed, that was fascinating to hear. So uh, how a, an exercise case is handled um, by a clinician and within a medical model. Um, so this case is based very loosely on a person that I saw in a university clinic, um, some of the dates and ages have been changed. This person was referred as essentially on a GP management plan, so I knew that I had Uh, limited resources available and limited time uh, with this person. John, age 67, uh, perhaps his most redeeming feature is that he was very angry. Um, Didn't really want to be seeing me, Um, came reluctantly. All he wanted was surgery, essentially. Um, He'd had surgery previously on on his other limb um, and he now wanted surgery on the limb that was giving him some grief. But his surgeon and his GP had essentially said, there's no hope, you need to stop Uh, Smoking, and you need to start doing some exercise. So his his GP pointed him in my direction. Um, He hadn't retired um, too much before I met him. He was a a sheet metal worker and I got the sense that that was his family. Uh, He lived on his own, didn't speak of any brothers or sisters, parents weren't around, didn't have any children, had a cat that he said he despised. I think he adopted this cat. four to five year history of peripheral arterial disease that I mentioned. Um, It previously had a a, a right leg femoral popliteal uh, bypass. Actually I'll point out now before I get there um, the the ABI's down below I've mixed around the limbs so you just need to swap right and left when you get down there. Um, It's now his left leg pain that's giving him most uh, discomfort and that's certainly limiting his functional capacity. Um, You can see I haven't gone to Town on on, on the medications, there were probably more than these, but he was certainly an aspirin. Um, He was um, self-prescribed fish oil tablets of of some sort or another. Known type 2 diabetes, was definitely hypertensive, um, had been a long-term smoker, said he was trying to quit, again, um, was angry about doing that. I think smoking, along with crosswords and rugby league, were his three key uh, pleasures, and was being asked to give up one of those. Um, His self-reported walking distance, maximum walking distance, was was 200 metres and that was just about what he needed to get to the bus. He relied on public transport, lived in reasonably uh, inner-city areas of Brisbane and and got the bus into town from time to time. Um, He did undertake uh, an incremental walking test with us. So this was a a, a graded test performed at uh, about 3 kilometres per hour where the initial grade is 0% and increases by 2% every two minutes. So you can see he's got to the 4% stage on that treadmill test, which isn't far. Um, And he had moderate pain, mild pain almost straight away as soon as he started walking, moderate pain after just the 2% grade, so a a very shallow incline. Uh, You can see the ABIs again um, there for for the other limbs, left and right. ECG during that test was, was clear. So when he was limited by his leg pain, his ECG was clear up until that point. Um, duplex ultrasound, I'll just make sure that these are the right way around. So right leg, diffuse narrowing and calcification in the tibial arteries. Um, and in the left leg, which is again the, the leg giving him most grief at the moment, there was a focal stenosis in the common femoral artery, so high up in the limb. Um, and in addition, tibial calcification in, in that limb as well. Uh, as I mentioned, he walks to the bus now and then as part of his, his, his transport. He was very active as a teenager, um, lifelong uh, rugby league supporter report, and reported playing a lot of rugby league uh, as a teenager, but I get the sense that that probably uh, didn 't last much after, much longer after the age of eighteen or nineteen uh, years of age. So this is Angry John. So I, I won't rehash the background there, um, but I'd be really interested in your thoughts about what other information you think we'd need before you, you wanted to prescribe exercise for John. Um, remembering he's on a, a GP management plan, so I or we are able, only able to see him four or five times. Um, I can tell you that where he lives, he lives in a granny flat on top of a shop, so there are some stairs leading up um, to this granny fat, flat that he lives in. Um, again, very little... in. Uh, the way of social support certainly not going to be the type of person um, who will join a gym or will, will come to the university clinic so i'll leave it with you there checking out if uh, there are any cardiac issues underlying there would be important in discussion with the gp Uh, But in terms of treatment, we thought that everything needs to begin here with some education, because obviously he doesn't understand the concept of exercise. He just thinks surgery is going to fix everything. Why am I seeing you? This is ridiculous. I'm not coming back. So a solid foundation of of the knowledge of why and wherefores would, would be the best place to start.
1: Hi, we had a chat about um,
0: his his level of anger and his his disinterest in being there, but one of the strengths he has, he actually does what he's told. He didn't want to be there and he came anyway, which I think is really quite interesting. Um, One of the things we were talking about was perhaps entering into a contract with him. He doesn't believe that you have anything to offer um, and he wants to desperately prove you wrong. And so we were thinking about, I'm not a physio, these guys are, um, about whether or not we could put a contract in with the, with the shortest amount of time possible, but track his exercise, um, have him monitor and do some feedback with him, and spread it out over several weeks.
1: interesting idea we've got two
0: more comments up here, and then i 'll get the panel panels back up here
1: Hi, we um, just thought as a start then trying to perhaps get him into some diabetes uh, exercise sessions. I believe there's eight to 10 of those per year. Um, Education, because he's a cranky old man, we thought to start him off with exercise, get him a boxing bag and some gloves and get him boxing in his flat during the day, and also possibly get him into a men's shed, if there's one available, where he could be with other cranky old men as well, just as a starting point.
2: (laughs) Hey, everyone. Um, We looked at his history Um, and we looked at the fact that he was a footballer so we were trying to think of ways to increase compliance to exercise and we thought maybe if we can incorporate it or relate it to football we might be more successful in in adherence. So we thought we'd ask him obviously if he watches football regularly at home and if he did that try and incorporate something simple like two or three leg exercises um, into the ad breaks or into certain things to do with football like a try or a point difference and get it going from there. Um, That way we know You don't get, I'll do it in the morning, I'll do it in the afternoon, I'll do it tomorrow. We know there's football each week on that he watches and we can definitely have a calendar whether he marks off those exercises then. We're focusing on leg exercises purely because we need to get his strength up even though he's got peripheral um, arterial disease and also he finds stairs difficult and he has stairs at home so we figured we want to focus on that and then maybe go on to the walking which we heard was beneficial before because without the leg strength we don't really have the capacity then to walk certain distances or to transfer from the chair in the first place. Um, But yeah, basically just making it more specific to the client and an interest to theirs so that we'd get their compliance rather than giving something that they couldn't relate to or couldn't have an interest in um, and obviously reassessing our progressions with him based on how he's finding the stairs at home rather than tests that he doesn't understand um, at a lab level or at a, at a level at a higher assessment. Um, so, yeah. Great.
1: Thanks very much. So I might get some comments from the panel. We've heard issues
0: about safety and, um, and then the problems of motivation and the barriers and some means of overcoming that.
2: Um, I, I would want to start with quite careful um, counselling sessions using some motivational interviewing principles to really explore this person's ambivalence to exercise. Yes, they got there in the first place, but he's highly ambivalent about doing any exercise or doing any change, and I think, as a, almost as a precursor to education, I'm sure he knows at some level already that exercise is important and, and, and smoking is the other thing we talked about. Perhaps you'd leave alone, but we, he, he would know that smoking is bad for him. But it's, perhaps, I think unless we get a hook in from he, that he identifies with, we're not going to get any far with, very far with long-term adherence.
3: Yeah. And I would go very much with moving him from pre-contemplative to contemplative because no matter what exercise design and how good it is, if he's not contemplative, he's not going to take it up. So even if you had to use your five sessions to move him from pre-contemplative to contemplative, um, that's my, that's my, um, that, that might be where you have to spend your time. And, and also a very goal-orientated approach, so a client-goal-orientated approach, and assessing his home environment and activities around his home that he may not be able to do, and you educating him about how he might be able to do those better.
1: As his geriatrician, um, <laughs> I would be concerned that he's depressed and at high risk. He's an older man who lives alone, who has never been married, has no family, just retired, very angry, hates his cat. Um, so he's a, a high risk for suicide if he does have depression. So I, I, I'd certainly want to rule out, a, you know, a clinical depression as part of what's going on in him. And um, I don't think he's somebody who can be educated into thinking that you know exercise is good for him and that's why he'll change. It's very, it would be pragmatic, I think, and I would actually use the stairs in his apartment
2: mm-hmm. and
1: use the goal of being able to get to the bus as what he needs to do you know, to be functional in the community um, and use the stairs as his high-intensity in, high interval training modality. And that's it. That'll give him strength, functional capacity, improve his claudication. Um, and not require him to sit in a you know Australian general exercise class with a bunch of older women, um, which is not where he would want to be. So I think... Um, but I would be concerned that, yeah, there's medical issues that probably need to be dealt with, and um, but not try and beat him over the head with quitting smoking, et cetera, at the moment, to let that lie and hope that it will get better as he gets fitter. So, Chris, do you want to tell us what you actually did and
3: then
0: what your complication is? So some... Um some brilliant ideas, I wish everyone was around a few years ago.
1: Um,
0: yeah, I really, in fact, and I like all of the ideas, that some things I should have done around, uh, I think, assessing cardiac history with this person. I like the idea of um, establishing a contract with this person. And I guess to set the scene a little more, I felt as though the patient had all of the power in this relationship. I was a little bit scared of him, to be honest. And I certainly wasn't going to give him boxing gloves. Um, <laughs> um, so I wanted to take a softly, softly approach. Um, and my aim was initially just to get him moving and to to, to realise that a, a little bit of movement um, was probably not going to be that hard for him to achieve. So to familiarise him with the exercises and to use that the, the first three or four weeks um, you know, to try and identify any barriers, to, 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 to hear what the excuses were going to be when he came back uh, to, to see me. So I, I just wanted him to go for... Three strolls a week, and I was calling them strolls you know up up to the bus stop or beyond uh, three times per week, rest as needed, letting him know that it 's fine for him to be stopping while walking, that there was no expectation for him to get to the bus stop in one in in one foul swoop, um, to get him to start to think about levels of pain, and I wanted him to get to the point of mild pain and then, then either slow down or stop, just to start thinking about. His, his measure of exercise intensity, if you like, to, to start paying attention uh, to his, his gastrocnemius pain. I don't really like TheraBands, but I got the sense that um, exercise that um, John could do while he was sitting might be appealing, that if I gave him a, a couple of simple resistance type exercises, a, a knee extension and a, and a plantar flexion with a TheraBand, that that might be something that um, and I think I did discuss doing it in front of the rugby league. So it might be something that, um, that he would take to, to do that a, a couple of times a week. Um, and or to take advantage of the stairs. So to, to um, swap or change those things as he liked and, and to try and um, at least accumulate 25 stairs or 25 repetitions of the leg exercises. So it was all about just getting him used to the idea um, of finding the time to exercise at, at this point. I then had in mind um, that um, for the next few visits, that we would aim to keep the patient moving and focus a little more on the volume and intensity of exercise, and I guess to then think beyond exercise and um, encourage—where's Coralie? To encourage activities, different activities of daily living, just to get him moving more um, beyond the exercise that I was prescribing. You can see he's still very conservative. I I suggested to John after that that next visit that he uh, increase the walks from uh, 10 minutes up to 25 minutes over the next few months um, and to rest as needed. I now wanted him to try and experiment with getting up to moderate pain. So focusing again on the intensity of exercise and experimenting with with increasing uh, the intensity and then resting until pain dissipates. After the first few weeks, he reported, like me, that he doesn't really like therabands either, and um, so we started persisting with um, some other resistance training exercises, some some step-ups, and again, making making greater use of the stairs. Um, I had also suggested at that point that if if he's feeling inclined, he might even want to walk up the stairs with some resistance or to undertake um, the step-ups with some resistance. So again, it was... Slowly but surely with, with John, I, I just didn't ever want to push my luck um, because my fear was that if I did, he um, would do nothing. So it was, it was a very slow, uh, progressing exercise program with John. The complication was um, that... but after So this is now the third visit. Um, John came back to see me in week eight, reported that he'd quit smoking. Also reported that he was doing daily walks from his house to the city and back. This is 60 to 70 minutes of exercise. That he was pushing through the pain. Didn't actually mind when he got to maximum pain, that he felt he was able to to maintain that, but was trying to stick to to moderate levels of pain. Um, Instead of two sessions of resistance training per week, he was going all out and he was now doing five sessions of the stairs um, each week. My initial concern was that this is just not sustainable and this will end really quickly. Um, So my, and there were some other things I was concerned about as well, but I'd be interested in this point as to what you might be concerned about and how you might have handled this situation or would you not have been worried at all? didn't, but I should have been worried about that. So the the, the question was um, did he not unmask any angina? And I didn't get the chance to talk about this this morning, but of course one of the significant risks uh, in patients with peripheral arterial disease is that as their fitness improves and as their functional capacity improves, they're more likely to be able to reach an intensity of exercise where they do become centrally limited. And I've seen that happen in a number of patients. It, It didn't happen with John, and I think After my concern about the exercise not being um, able to be maintained, my next fear was, um, yeah, I I need to be worried about his central health. And I think the next point says something like um, that I did then start to educate him around um, other measures of exercise intensity, heart rate and rate of perceived exertion. But I I think that's very insightful. It was probably at this point um, that another exercise test of some sort um, would have been useful. In putting this case together in reflection, I, I think there was a, a line I used, which I probably shouldn't have used with John, and I actually used the line "no pain, no gain."
1: <laughs> and,
0: and he took that absolutely literally. I think his mind went back to perhaps teenage rugby league days. You know, he was not going to be shown a, a different way to do it. You know, slowly but surely, softly, softly was now um, something that John just wasn't thinking about. It was no pain, no gain. And, yeah, he, he, wanted to, he wanted to outdo me, he wanted to impress me, I think. Um, so, yeah, it was a, a really interesting case from a, an exercise behaviour point of view. I agree I think put the decisions in his hands yeah yeah, yeah. okay thanks for thanks very much Chris